Hi, I'm Carly. And I'm Trey with New City Church. Welcome to our podcast series on faith and mental health. Each week we will unpack a topic relating to emotional or mental health and walking out a life of faith. The format will vary slightly from week to week from teaching, practical advice, conversation, interviews, and practices that we have found helpful in our own lives. So, let's jump on in. Hello, and welcome to our Faith and Mental Health podcast at New City Church. If you're joining us today, this is Season 2, Episode 8, and I have a special guest, my really good friend, Abby, with me today, and I'm so excited. She's going to share so much wisdom and just... If we burst into laughter and tears, um, that's pretty typical for us. So I know Abby through seminary, actually worship school, then seminary. I don't know. We go back maybe five or six years or so and um, just have hit it off very quickly ever since I met her. Um, Yeah. So I am going to ask you some questions and we'll just hop right in. Okay, so Abby, who are you? What do you do? Where do you live? Tell us about yourself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, I'm Abby, and uh, I am a wife and mom and friend and worship leader and um, gardener and all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, Right now, I am on staff part-time for a church called Fellowship Bible Church in Roswell, Georgia, and uh, that's where we live. We live in Roswell. It's about 30 minutes outside of Atlanta, so... Yeah, in a nutshell, that's pretty much what I'm doing right now, <laughs> being a wife and a mom and a worship leader. That's a lot of things. So that's a lot of hats. It so. truly is. <clears throat> well, we're going to hop right into our topic for today, which we've been talking about busyness for the past three episodes or so. And so today I'm going to ask you all about your views on busyness and the culture and all of these things, as you know, since I sent you the questions ahead of time. But um First question, what have you noticed about culture and busyness? Oh, man. It's like the question of our generation right now. Um, but we like we wear busyness as this badge of honor and also this um, scarlet letter. Like, we're the ultimate self-harm, narcissistic individuals, this generation at least, in my opinion, um, who... Like we view ourselves as the victim of our own dysfunctional lives Mm. and we have this like grand addiction to hurry that we see as it's like an accolade of success, but really it's more like that visual example we saw as kids or I saw as a kid um, of addiction where the little duck runs by a head of of whatever the substance was, I think it was like cocaine or meth or something at the time with this little video that they showed us when I was in school. But um, anyway, his his first trip is this glorious and fun and wild ride of goodness. And without stopping, the duck runs to the next hit. And it's like 75% of the goodness and the gloriousness and the, the just awesomeness of the first hit. And then it kind of crashes down and runs to the next one. And that one's only like 50% of the goodness. And then runs to the next one. And that one's only like 25% until we're totally worn out. And the substance, which is in our example is hurry, um, 
has totally handicapped us, making us dependence of hurry and busyness, which truly we know is just our way of kind of showing off how popular we are, um, how pleased people are by our presence or um, how displeased people are if we're not around, you know, you name it. Mm. It's all this kind of wheel of exhaustion and burnout. And, um, and we wear it as this, as this, again, badge of honor, scarlet letter. And uh, we kind of, we kind of play the victim of it, at least from what I can tell. Yeah. I mean, I, I fully agree with you. Um, <clears throat> so many times when you ask someone like how they're doing, they say, mm -hmm. oh, I'm great. Just busy, you know, or, mm -hmm. um, even like the energy that they come at you with to like tell you about what they're going, what's going on mm -hmm. and everything. Um, and I say they, I, I can fully be this way. I'm a oh, people yeah. pleaser. And so for me, yeah. it is that how do I put myself, put, put boundaries around my own personal space and mental health and mm -hmm. emotional health and like taking breaks from, from things, even if I have to say no, that's really hard mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I struggle too. Like why is, why is saying no so, uh, terrible to us? And it, it is to me too. This is, this is an honest <clears throat> question I ask myself because I catch myself, people invite me to things and, uh, and it's so nice of people. Like they're just trying not to leave. We're all just trying not to leave anybody out. Right. Like we all just want to be together and all of the intentions are so great, but but on this side of things, uh, why is it so hard to say no? Like, if you were to tell me, if I invited you somewhere and you were to tell me, I just don't have the margin that day to be available for this, but I love you and I'll catch you later. Um, like nine out of 10 times, your friends or people who really care about you, they're not gonna badger your response. like. If someone said to me, I just don't have the margin that day to, to be at this event or to be here or there or whatever, um, I would, I would respect that. And, and I want to say too, if there are people, and I know that there are people in our lives because this has happened to me before too, that they do kind of, they, they badger it and they, um, I think they don't realize it, but they, you know, Oh, what's going on? Like, what's so important that you, you can't be at my thing. Um, but truly we know when we don't have the emotional reservoir to go to things that are even, even positive things. But like, if we're just flat out neglecting ourselves and our houses and our families and our children and our, our, you know, internal, our internal system that makes our life work well, the rhythms of our life that, uh, kind of, push us along and make us do healthy things. If we're running on empty fumes because we're going to every single event or we're trying to be there for everybody. Um, I just, I just don't know what that's for anymore because it's not for you. And truly it's not even for your friendships because what you're offering them in times like that is like the exhausted fumes <coughs> of yourself and kind of sucks too. Oh yeah. You're preaching to the choir over here. I know for me, I do think 
it is this, I do feel like people are going to be mad at me or it's going to create some kind of conflict or, um, they're going to feel like I'm not showing up for them and I would want them to show up for me. And I just put so much like emotional energy around the thing that it becomes so much more than it was just like an invitation to something. Um, or if I've said yes to it already, I have such a hard time going back and being like, I said yes to this and I do not have margin for this and I'm so sorry. But like as when my counselor would say like you would not go to something if you had the flu, but we're just like not good at at the other aspects of our health and like taking ownership yeah. of those things um, in the same way that if you obviously had a fever and – or whatever else, like you wouldn't go to the thing. So, but it's just, just as valid. Yeah. It's just as valid to say, to say, I don't have the margin and what you know internally is I haven't cleaned my house in two weeks and I haven't, you know, had a home cooked meal or I haven't taken care of the things I need to take care of at home. Um, or even bigger stuff like, my parents need me that weekend or whatever it is. It's just, I truly feel like, uh, the condemnation that we feel when we have to say no to people. Um, it's really not an accurate reflection of how that person feels. And if, and if it is an accurate reflection, I'm sure they'll tell you if you have a, if you have a true and deep and solid friendship with that person, I'm sure they'll be like, Hey, this is kind of a pattern for you where, I come to all yeah. your stuff and you don't come to mine, but that's not really what we're talking about here. We're talking mm-hmm. about living a life that is like marked and based and thrives in hurry and never being able to be alone or in the quietness of your house or, yeah. um, yeah, there's a problem. If you can't be alone without Netflix on or, um, like your true crime podcast or whatever it is that you like to listen to, if you can't be alone in stillness and in quiet, you might want to evaluate that. And I do, and I have to evaluate that too. I don't like being alone. So yeah. I say that with all compassion. Yeah, man, again, a lot of this is just like so convicting for me. So I feel like I should also be taking notes, but I have the video so I can later. Um, kind of, we've already touched on this a little bit, but is busyness a struggle for you and your family? And what does that look like? Um, it certainly used to be, uh, before I had my son, my husband and I worked, uh, we both worked full time and kind of worked our fingers to the bone to be at every event and every occasion for every person we even remotely cared about. And Uh, I recently went back through some of my journals. Um, I exited full-time ministry in January. And so for the last eight-ish years, um, we've been doing this full-time grind. And like I said, I I just recently went back and was reading through some of my journals of, of that time of my life. And I wrote over and over and over, page after page after page, of how exhausted I was Mm. deep exhaustion, like the kind of exhaustion that a vacation couldn't touch Mm -hmm. that 
I felt like even sitting in the presence of God couldn't touch that kind of exhaustion. And I just didn't know how to say no without feeling that overwhelming dread that I was letting people down. And I wanted to be the perfect friend. And I wanted to be the, the worship pastor who was at every event, even on the weekends, because I wanted people to think that I cared more than anyone else. And, mm. and we call that idolatry. Absolutely only Jesus can be omnipresent and omniscient in people's mm. lives. Like only Jesus has that power to be the never ending energy turbine and to think for one second that I had the power to be for other people. What only Jesus could truly be for them was dangerous, exhausting, um, and a, just a downright cruelly self-inflicted wound. Uh, that stole a lot of my joy over the years when I was in full-time ministry. And um, after I had my son, I just knew I couldn't go on. Like, I don't know what happened to me. Like this, this switch was flipped inside of my soul. Maybe it was because it, you know, I was like sick in my pregnancy. And then uh, when he came, it was just much harder than he, he had some illness. And there was just, it was so much harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, but I felt this real freedom to receive from people that I had been pouring into and, um, and to let people help me when I needed help. So yeah, just something happened to me when I had Judah that radically opened my eyes to my personal need. Uh, I had never been so depleted. I felt so out of control, uh, that I, that the, the rat race, even, even in ministry, like there is a rat race of ministry just became crystal clear to me. And, um, it's not that I wanted no part of it anymore. It's just that I realized it was going to kill me. It was going to kill me if I kept going the way I was going. And so, no, I wouldn't say that I struggle with, with busyness or hurriedness now, but you know, Judah's only a year and a half old. So I used to. Um, and I feel this really, really deep compassion for people who are who are running their turbines and believing the lie that they can be that never-ending source for others that only Jesus can be. Yeah. And I have a lot of compassion. Man, it is so common. Like, they call us the burnout generation. And... Mm-hmm. Um, what you're talking about is so I think common for most any profession where it's like, you feel like you're even told a lot of times in reviews or, you know, by superiors that you need to do more, do more, do more, do more. And, um, I remember Daniel at a previous job he was in, he works in accounting, a boss sat him down and said, you're doing exactly everything we want you to do but you need to do more. And he was working like 80 hour weeks at the time. Just unreal. Like it's not humanly possible to actually do what some of the demand is for you to do. But also with our, our field of just like this humanitarian, like pouring out into others. There's always someone else you could meet with, always someone else you could invite over, 
always, you know, this, this idea of like family and what does family look like when it's the family of God, but like you also have your own family and everyone has their own expectations with that. And people are lonely and you're like, I need to invite more people in. I need to do more things. And yeah, you're so right. Like we cannot be Jesus. And when we're trying to replace, I don't think we realize what we're trying to do, replace Jesus in people's lives. But it, it yeah, yeah. It's so, it's just like one of those temptations that's right there and, Mm -hmm. um, really hard to nail down until you start digging under the layers of what is actually motivating me. So I appreciate you sharing that and your vulnerability. So thank you. Um, okay. Next question. How does busyness affect your faith life and your mental health life? Mm. It was totally disastrous for me to be that busy, uh, for both my mental health and my faith. I felt super angry at God for the last mm. several years. Uh, look how I work for you. Look how I toil and look how well I love all the people that you've sent me to love. Um, and now I look back on those feelings kind of with a twinge of embarrassment because uh, I know that Jesus was probably like, baby girl, I didn't ask you to sacrifice yourself on the altar of busy ministry. Mm. <laughs> I asked you to go make disciples, but I didn't ask you to destroy yourself and your mental health in the name of pastoring. Mm. Like this is, this is different than the trials and tribulations. This isn't, this isn't purifying you. Um, which by the way, is the goal as we now all know, that's the goal of trials and, and the tribulations that we experience in our lives is to make you pure at heart. Uh, But living a life of such hurry that you're anxious or depressed or um, your house is never in order or you can't keep up or you can't eat right or you can't take care of your body or or you can't take care of your marriage or your kids or your family. Like, that's not a trial of Jesus. That's Mm -hmm. a self-inflicted wound that Jesus wants to heal. Um, But never once did that kind of hurriness purify my heart Mm. or make me love God and love other people better. It didn't, it didn't bear any fruit. And I guess I I just want to say, if this offends you to hear me say these things and you're thinking, but I'm doing it for God. So people can, can see and know him and and come closer to Jesus. Like, yeah. Um, But the word tells us to judge the fruit and uh, if the fruit of your labor is exhaustion and anxiety and depression and hopelessness and burned outness, um, then that's not purifying you. It's not bringing out the fruit of the spirit, which, which we know is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. Um, so please, please know that you can judge the fruit of your life and you can ask God, to judge the fruit of your life. There's a psalm that says, judge me while I'm alive so that, so that I'm not being surprised at the judgment throne. Mm. Um, but judge me here on earth. Judge me while I'm alive. And, you know, that we all know that passage that says, God, search me and know my heart. Um, 
So if God is revealing to you that your busyness is a form of self-harm, then let's open our hearts to receive his discipline about that. Like, God disciplines those he loves, and he doesn't need you sacrificing yourself on the altar of people-pleasing or of pleasing your own flesh to prove the point that everybody loves you. Like, look how I was invited to this, and look how I was invited to that. Like, like let's name that. That's pride. Hmm. And refusing to lead a slow, peaceable, attainable life. And I'm not talking about seasons of, of business. Like, like currently my mom is taking care of her mother hmm. and she has lots of grandkids and her life, I would say it's busier than mine for sure. Right now. Um, I'm not talking about seasons where we're just, there's no other way. Like you just kind of got to put your head down and be like, well, like her mom would literally die if she wasn't doing what she's doing. Yeah. So that's not what I'm talking about when I say refusing to lead a slow, peaceable, attainable life. What I mean by that is you have to be at everything. You feel like you join every club. Even at the church, you're in every prayer meeting, you're on the worship team, you're on the tech team, you're on hospitality, you're, you're doing the most. <laughs> and, and I see that all the time in ministry where I just look at people and I'm like, well, I'm just on the worship team. <laughs> and sometimes I'm like, this is too much for me. So that's not, I'm not talking about the seasons that you just can't avoid I'm talking about a repeated pattern in your life where you just can't stop. Because if you stop, you have to deal with the thing that's going on inside of you that is making you addicted to hurry. Just like, mm. just like you would be addicted to alcohol or to, you name it. Um, yeah, this is pride, dude. Like, it says, I can do all things through myself who strengthens me. Mm. And... I'm just here to testify. It does not work. Being addicted to hurry, it will not work for you. And it will leave you so much emptier and more anxious than it ever gave you any sense of accomplishment. So. Yeah, man, as you were talking, I was just thinking about, you know, the self-inflicted harm that we're doing by the bustle and by pushing ourselves past our own strengths. Um, and like how you said that trials, like that's not, that's like a self-inflicted trial. Mm -hmm. And the hard thing is, is like trials are still going to come in that. And so yeah. it makes it so much harder when you don't have margin for anything in your life or even digging in and seeing what's going on and what's driving all those things, it makes it so much harder when things like what you're talking about with your mom, like she has to be a caregiver now for her mother. Um, those type of things happen when you least expect them. And when you have to step up and be responsible for something else or deal with something else or somebody's diagnosed with an illness or just those things in life that just wham hit you out of nowhere. If you have not figured out how to create margin in your life already, 
it is so much harder to go back and try to assess those things so that you can have margin to deal with the things that grief or um, anxiety or the things that come up during those times. So there's this passage. uh, I can't remember what it is right now, um, but it's basically like, don't bring upon yourself sufferings of any kind um, based on essentially based on bad decisions. And again, Mm. I'm, I'm totally paraphrasing. I I can't remember where the scripture is, but um, anyway, it essentially says you're already going to suffer. You're already going to have trial. Like no doubt about it. Things are going to happen to you that are, are so challenging and meant to purify you. And it's good. You're going to suffer. So don't add on to the suffering by making such poor choices that you suffer even greater. And then there's this part of the passage, if I'm remembering correctly, that's like, um, you don't want people to look at your life and not be able to distinguish what is a self-inflicted suffering versus what is a suffering that God has asked you to walk through to purify your heart. Um, Hmm. And I think that when we talk about hurry and busyness, this is a self-inflicted. Now, hear me say, the enemy is all over it. The enemy's lies are all over it. Because what is underneath this self-inflicted wound is the lie that I'm not enough. So we need to deal with that. Mm -hmm. However, if we don't deal with it and we just keep allowing the self-inflicted wound to like, drive our lives, then yeah, it's like that scripture that says you've, we can't tell what you've brought on yourself versus what God has asked you to walk through. And it kind of freaks me out, to be honest. Like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be a person that, you know what I mean? Where people are like, I can't tell what God has asked you to walk through versus like, what's just your ick. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, man, that would just be... I don't know if I can recover from that. People are like, you're just, you're just bringing it on yourself, aren't you? Like, that would be so, that'd be so painful. But yeah, yeah. So we don't want to do that. We don't want to, we want to, we want to make sure that the, the things that God has asked us to walk through, we're walking through and we're not adding on to our own pain by being addicted to anything alcohol, pornography, hurry, you name it. That's like a self-inflicted injury. Mm -hmm. Man. And we all have them. Probably multiple. Yeah, we do. Yeah. I, I speak, I might sound like I don't have a lot of compassion for this, but I have these two. Oh no, I don't, I don't think you're coming across that way at all. Yeah. If you can tell, Abby is just like such a fierce person and I love it so much. Um, Sometimes you're a little too fierce. <laughs> we all have our it. What'd you say? Our icks? Our icks. It's true. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Um, okay. So speaking of all the icks that we've gone through, what does Sabbath rest and recharge look like to you in this season? Mm. 
I am in a crazy season. Uh, young children, man, they will just eat you alive. <laughs> in the greatest way. Like, I love being a mom, but it's... Sometimes it eats me alive. Sometimes, at the end of the day, I'm like, wow, that's hard. <laughs> that, was just, yeah. that was the hardest thing I've ever done today. Uh, and I've been through some things, but today was hard. So, anyway. Uh, Sabbath right now for my husband and I and our son... It's just a Saturday, like to be really practical. It's just a Saturday. We get all of our housework done on Friday. And uh, and then Saturday can be this peaceable living space. And we can have fun because we don't have any chores to do. Um, and yeah, we spend the day having fun, resting. We nap when our son naps. We enjoy ourselves and our family. Um, it looks really different week to week, but the goal on our Sabbath day is to be in a state of recovery from Mm. the week before and for the week ahead. So that's just practical. Yeah. I love it. So practical. And that's, that's what we need, right? I feel like we talk about Sabbath a lot at our church. That's one of our big things. And sometimes it feels like you can get so overly I don't know, philosophical about it or like give these parameters around it that it's like, I'm so confused as to what this even looks like. But I, yeah, then it doesn't count. Um, I love what you said though, about getting your stuff done on Friday. So taking that time to prepare so that you can rest um, and knowing what that would be for you. Like, if your house is a mess, maybe it's harder for you to rest. Um, oh, yeah. It is for me, too. Like women of all walks of life. I don't know about men. Depends on the man. Some men, yes. Well, I mean, my um, husband. Okay, so along with that, how do we usher in a spirit of peace and rest when our circumstances are chaotic or painful? And, yeah, that's like the question of all. Of the ages. Right. Um, yeah, the disciples have been asking that question since they, they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Mm. Um, but seriously, I haven't nailed this. Like, truly, I, I just haven't. I, I recently experienced one of the most painful and chaotic seasons I've ever walked through. And some days, I totally crushed it, taking my thoughts captive and dwelling on heavenly things like, Philippians tells us to, um, in order to fight in the spirit, especially that spirit of fear that I think manifests for a lot of us. But, um, but honestly, most of those days I spent in painful thought life, Hmm. repeating the pain, like a loop in my head and desperate for answers and to recover my ego and to protect myself from betrayal. And, um, I don't really feel like I won the battle these past few months. So I guess my answer would have to be to take seriously the weapon of warfare that the word is. Uh, if you're anxious or losing the battle, like I feel like I, I do a lot. Um, you just, you absolutely have to get into the presence of Jesus and, and, and recognize that there is, there's no friend, there's no lover, there's no TV show or drink or meal or episode or, or exercise routine that your flesh offers you 
uh, that will bring peace into into painful and chaotic situations. They might help for a minute, uh, but you're always left with it as soon as that that run is over or that episode is over or that meal is over or the drink wears off or what have you. And, and I can actually, I can kind of hear the like, so your advice is to read the Bible. <laughs> um, I know that seems really trite, Mm. but it's 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 not and the more we downplay the bible the word of god uh, the more trite it will sound and um, and i get that but my advice is to read the gospels the bible can be it it can just be confusing in general and i don't think the lord would be like thanks for saying that um but I do think that the Gospels are easier to uh, read if you haven't spent time in the Word lately. Um, it's Jesus, man. Like, mm. I know everything in the Bible is about Jesus. It's the narrative that leads to Jesus. Um, but if you're in a state of, of chaos and pain, go back to the Gospels and just meet with Jesus and write it down. Um, I found it, there was a sermon I heard, gosh, had to be 10 years ago now, maybe more, where Dr. Crawford Loritz uh, told us to do this really practical thing. And I did, I started doing it. Um, and it's so helpful. And so I just want to start, I share it, offer it. It's where you get in the presence of the Lord, you know, whatever worship music or whatever helps you to do that or total silence even in nature or wherever. And on one sheet of paper, you know, put a line down and in the left column, you write down all the lies that you're hearing, the mm. pain, write down the pain. And on the other side of the sheet, um, you, you search the word for what God says about that pain. Mm. And so if you have cancer, write it down, write down the pain, write down the fear. I'm afraid I'm not going to live. Um, and then on the other side, what does God say about sickness? What does God say about disease? What did God do for the leper, for the lame, for the women with the trouble of, ble of bleeding? You know, the word says that all these miracles that Jesus did were given to us to prove two things, uh, that Jesus was the son of God, uh, and to increase our faith. And so mm -hmm. if you have clinical anxiety, what does the word say about that? Well, it says, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and sound mind. Um, and memorize these verses. Like, it's, these are weapons of warfare. Like you're, the word of God is an arsenal of weapons that we are leaving on the ground as the battle rages around us. And if you're losing the battle of hurriedness, of disassociation, or of coping in, in poor ways, pick up the sword, dude. Pick up the, the weapon that silences the enemy. And I promise you that going to that party will make you feel better. The second you get in the car, every empty feeling is going to return. Mm. And... What distracts us for a moment 
our busyness, whatever the thing is that we're doing, um, even if it's good stuff, even if it's like, yeah, I went and did a workout today or, or I, I sang on the worship team or I, I went to prayer meeting, you know, back to back to back to back to back to back to back. To back. I didn't have a single second to breathe. Um, what distracts us for a moment cripples us for a lifetime mm. because the only true way to usher in a spirit or a life of peace is to be a branch on the vine that is Jesus. So to stay so intimately close to him and his presence that when trouble comes, you're not defenseless. You're armed and you're ready to defeat the affliction that busyness or hurriedness falsely claims it will defeat for you. Hurriedness falsely claims, I will defeat your anxiety. I will defeat your stress. I will defeat your worry. I will defeat your loneliness. Mm. It's a false claim. It will not. Only the man and the power of Jesus will truly defeat these things in our lives. And, and so, yeah, my advice is to get into the word. It is it is the only thing that has ever made the difference for me when I when I was broken and I had nothing left to give. So it might sound trite, but it's not. Yeah. What a perfect way to wrap this up. Um well said. I, I don't have anything to add. Well, thank you, Abby, for being here today and for taking your time out of your yeah. mom life and the rest of your life um, to be able to do this and to join us today. I think so many people will be blessed by what the Spirit directed you to say. So forever grateful for you and our friendship. So thanks, Abby.